Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guidebooks. I can't. I'm sorry. Oh my god, there's a lot of them. Okay. All right. Oh, I'm sorry. So one thing to notice on those guys, if you you see one. Six long legs, two really long antenna. Yeah. They don't actually bite. We'll get okay, a, that's fine. We'll get into a spot where we can This is, there's a lot here. <laughs> okay. For adventure, I want to follow on the trail Or get a little lost and let the wind fill my sails Get up when the stars still fill the sky Don't wake the sun, there's so much to be done And the day has just begun Go where the postcards are real You can feel, you can open your eyes And open your heart when you get at the National Park. Follow you, I'll follow you there. At the National Park. At the National Park. Follow you, I'll follow you there. We would like to acknowledge that while hiking and visiting the land also known as Mammoth Cave National Park that we were in the traditional and stolen lands of the Cherokee, Shawnee, and Yuchi people. If you tuned in last time to episode 103, we had just finished up the River Sticks tour at Mammoth Cave National Park. Which was an amazing tour, which definitely look into the tours before you visit Mammoth Cave because they do book up. It is very popular. It's 
well worth spending time in the cave. While there are miles of hiking trail above ground, the cave is really spectacular. And the reason to go to Mammoth Cave yeah. is to see the Mammoth cave system. Cave. Mm-hmm. It is the largest cave system in the entire world, spanning over 400 miles. We did Mammoth Cave on our road trip of summer 2021 when we were able to get on the road for five weeks. Yeah. And that was a very special time. Yes. Part of what made it so special was being able to come to Mammoth Cave National Park and do what we're about to chat about here in this episode today. Part of our trip to Mammoth Cave was we had a listener whose name is Bruce Hatcher um, who had reached out to us. He is someone that works for Mammoth Cave. Um, He works for the state to... He is a cave scientist who was very generous with his information when it came to Mammoth Cave and had mentioned to us if we happened to ever be in the area. Yeah, let him know. And so we did. And when we were on our road trip, it was really funny because we were about to set off. We were like, oh, we have to make sure that we email Bruce. We were in Yellowstone, actually. Yeah. And we were like, let's make sure to email him and let him know we're coming. And um, we had an email in our inbox from him. What was funny was like had corresponded before when we went to open our email to send him an email he had sent us an email just was getting back in touch and saying that he had just finished listening to our previous season and not again if we were ever going to be in mammoth cave to let him know we were able to just immediately respond and say hey guess what we actually will be in mammoth cave very soon here are the dates and so we were able to scheme because of this we were able to actually join him on a special assignment in a very special place on the mammoth cave property which is called great onyx cave mm-hmm. now great Great Onyx Cave has actually hit the news many times in history. But what is important to note is that Onyx Cave is a cave that was also on Mammoth Cave property, but it was not part of the greater Mammoth Cave system. There was no connection made between Onyx Cave and the full Mammoth Cave system. So we finished up our tour of the River Styx area of Mammoth Cave and we left and right after that we met up with Bruce. We're coming up the stairs from the historic entrance and we're like oh, like how, we were like how old wait a minute how, how old is Bruce? Know? How, how will we know what he looks like? <laughs> We had done some Googling and there were some photos published of him. So we sort of knew who we were looking for. We found each other right away. Yeah. And he was like, the first thing he did was like, okay, so which one of you is who? Yeah. Like who's who? Who who? is Mike and who is Dusty? Right. Which is a question we get all the time. Yeah. Who is who? Yeah. And it's funny. We've even heard like the response that like sometimes people flip our voices, Mm -hmm. which like when you're, you know, out there listening and like, you know, while you're doing laundry or like on a drive Mm -hmm. or on your commute, Mm -hmm. it's like they're just two voices, you know, and as soon as it's like they're inside of real humans, it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, it's it is a little bit jarring. I would imagine disorienting. Mm -hmm. Yes, certainly. Yeah. Well, because you're incredibly disorienting. It's true. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) that's me (laughs) Bruce drove us over to Onyx Cave Onyx Cave has a different entrance than Mammoth Cave so we went on a few back roads over to Onyx Cave here's the thing to note about Onyx Cave specifically is that it is a place that historically has had tours. However at the time this was coming out of the COVID pandemic 
they had closed tours to Onyx Cave to the public. So Onyx Cave was only open for research purposes. Yep. That's the only way we were able to go in because we were joining Bruce on a research assignment. So on the way there, Bruce had let us know that we would be unlike in side of the main part of Mammoth Cave, which is extremely large and vaulted. And really, there's not much as far as cramped walkways on the River Styx tour that we experienced that we were going to be in some tighter spaces. So this was um, a hard hats, headlamps sort of situation that we were entering into. And we were, were already prepared as far as like temperature and dress because we had just come from Mammoth Cave. I think we actually like took a layer off because it was so hot and then yeah. had to like re-robe. Well, it was um, summer. It was right. summer, yeah, um, to go down into the cave. We put all of our gear on. The entrance to Onyx Cave, very different than the entrance to Mammoth Cave that we had just done. The entrance to Mammoth Cave was big and huge and like had a whole stairwell going into it. Onyx Cave was a door. Like, literally, like, a door in a rock wall. I was like, this is where we die. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does kind of look like that, right? Oh, yeah. It but was like, then, throw you down here and lock the door. So we go into the door, and immediately there's a small open area. Like a vestibule of sorts. Now, this was the only door. There was no other additional door here. But immediately to the left, on the ceiling... There's like a couple of cave crickets and cave spiders. Like there's a handful of them and they're further over to the left. We note them. You notice one and you were like, wow, is that like spider like about to give birth? Mm -hmm. Because it had a giant sack on its stomach. Mm -hmm. And um, so here's something to note if you've never seen a cave cricket or a cave spider is that they are very big. Mm -hmm. Cave spiders and cave crickets are larger than small crickets or mm -hmm. small spiders. And like, they look, they're like nightmare fuel insects. They look terrifying, mm -hmm. right? And so we know there's a literally just a handful of them on the ceiling over to the left. And I was like, oh, okay. We continue on and we walk forward and we have to go through this like narrow pathway in order to get into like what is Onyx Cave proper. And then Bruce shares with us, oh yeah, so we have to walk through this threshold right here. Yeah. There are few cave crickets and cave spiders here so usually I'll walk through first and let the ones that are gonna fall fall and then y'all can walk through and hopefully none will fall on you. Mm -hmm. And what did that do for you? Okay well it's less about that and it's more about when I shine the headlamp up on the ceiling at this threshold area it was like teeming um to say the least mm -hmm. like it was like a giant horde cra like I want like imagine like, like maggots and flies on a piece of raw meat that's been left out in the sun mm. covered what a picture you have painted of us but that is sort of <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, not of us, but for oh, us. Oh, you said it. I know. You said it. We're just like, we're pieces of meat that have been left, left out, out in, in the, the sun, sun, mama. With maggots climbing all over us. So literally when I say the ceiling's covered in them, they, it was covered in them. Mm -hmm. I saw that and I, w I froze. And well, I was like, well, this is, the, in my head, I'm like, well, this is the end of this tour. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I was like, there's no going past no, this. No, we have to talk about this moment because I had a moment where I was like, <gasps> oh my God. Oh my God. I, I, I. And you were like, 
You didn't say this. I was like, cut the crap jam. <laughs> that is exactly <laughs> the energy you had. Because mm-hmm. you were like, you're not turning back because of these cave crickets and cave spiders right now. This person is being too kind to invite us along with him right now. Get it together. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I am just going to have to walk. You under. tightened up everywhere and you I walked I tightened under. up everywhere. <laughs> I, um, I took a moment to actively disassociate. And I walked through there mm-hmm. and none of them fell. No. Bruce had walked first and a few of them fell and he knocked them off. And he was like, listen, they don't like, they don't bite. Mm-mm. He's like, they're just big. And um, he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I, are y'all afraid of bugs? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, um, I mean, I don't love them. You know? <laughs> so you do have, you know, your wall of, tarantulas that you keep and love no Mm -hmm. no that's another (laughs) friend of mine and no i do not yeah so once we're past you know the gauntlet of bugs talk about a cave experience that we didn't necessarily get in the way i thought we would in the main part of mammoth cave and that is this just sort of like uh, we kind it was almost like a spiral stair like i feel like we had to go down it wasn't exactly a spiral but we did have to go down like kind of these stairs that curved around this formation that was just like so fascinating like stalactite stalagmite kind of like the joining of the two creating these incredible formations within the cave and it was something that i expected when we went to mammoth cave and we did get a little of but this was just like all of a sudden right in your face and we had to get a little further in mammoth cave till we saw this sort of stuff is it all like it's it's kind of luminescent is that just water basically that is, yeah yeah that's the water dripping and you know if you can if you get in the right spot on some like this one's fairly pure light will shine yeah. through them this one looks like it has like these have folds in them yes now these would be what we call draperies or cave bacon sometimes it'll be banded <laughs> it looks like strips of bacon <laughs> if you see it in some ways or mm-hmm. you know draperies like drapes Stalactites, water drips straight down. Yeah. Stalagmites, water sitting, it bounces up. Draperies are sort of like if you washed your hands and didn't have a towel and hold your arms up, water's going to flow down your forearm and then drip off. Yeah. It's kind of what oh, that is. They follow I the see. same path and they build up those thin sheets until it ultimately gets uh, to the bottom there. So being in Mammoth Cave for the River Sticks tour, that place is huge. Yeah. Enormous, giant, feeling very small inside of this enormous cave. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like it gets the name Mammoth Cave just from this entryway. Sure. But it gets its name because of the length of the cave system. But here it's just so dramatic and like right up close mm-hmm. and smaller. Definitely a narrower pathway in this cave. Yeah, it wasn't like we were like squinched by any means for like room. It felt like a typical hallway would as opposed to this sort of like cathedral. I feel like Mammoth Cave almost felt like you're in like a subway system. Like even like I'm thinking about the DC Metro and like these kind of vaulted ceilings. Like yes. when you're like at a station there, um, it 
that's kind of the comparable size as opposed to like here where you're just like walking down a hallway in some regard, which does open up too. So that's the thing. It's like this section of cave where there were all these interesting formations is not a section that lasted for a very long time. It was sort of like, oh my gosh, you pass the cave crickets, you get this amazing cave formation. And then the cave sort of opened itself up into like a little bit of a wider corridor, like a two double wide hallway, I guess is what I would say. While we were walking through this section with Bruce, we asked a lot of questions about rock and stone that we weren't able to ask before Mm -hmm. on the River Styx tour. You know, all this stuff is calcite. That's the main mineral. So limestone is what all of Mammoth Cave is made up in. Mm -hmm. To be a limestone, technically, you have to be 50% or more of the mineral calcite. The limestones here around Mammoth Cave, you've got hundreds of feet of limestone that's over 95% pure with respect to calcite. So it's a lot of calcite. So whenever it rains, water picks up carbon dioxide. So that dissolves it. It basically liquefies the rock, washes out downstream. Now, when you come into areas like this where it's dripping a little bit at a time, those little drips of water have actually gotten completely saturated, coming slowly through the limestone above. When it gets down here, it degasses, carbon dioxide goes back into the air, and it has to start leaving the calcite behind, and that's what starts making these formations. So it's all calcite, but some of the different colors you get, blacks and grays, magnesium, manganese, pure white is pure calcite, oranges colors and reds or iron. So it's other trace elements that you get in there that kind of give it the different colors that you see. These follow a very particular pattern. So are those like mm-hmm. just faults within the ceiling, basically where the water's finding yep. its way in? Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're, they're just fractures in the rocks. So okay. Water's gonna follow the path of least yeah. resistance. Yep. That's what it's doing through there. And that's why Mammoth Cave is a horizontally sort of oriented cave system. We're mostly following the bedding planes. Yep. So when all this limestone was formed, Mississippian time period, ancient sea, 350 million years ago, as all those different sea animals died and compacted down, their shells hardened in, you got these different layers, and that's where the water is gonna pretty much orient here is along these bedding planes. That's part of the reason why you've got the longest cave in the world here. Uh, You've got all this thick layer of limestone, but it's got a slight dip three or four degrees to the northwest. So whenever it rains, all the water that comes into Mammoth Cave, that comes into a lot of the surrounding communities, it all goes underground. It follows the dip of those bedding planes to the Green River, which is just outside here. So dipping towards the ultimate goal of water coming out in the Green River, that's what gives you this big drainage basin. As we were walking, we noticed there was this like very old glass Pepsi bottle Mm -hmm. that had been like- uh, Cemented into place. Literally cemented into place. And we asked Bruce about this and he was saying that it could have been for a number of reasons. One, they could have used it to like cut it off when they were putting in the railing Mm -hmm. because there was railing down here Mm -hmm. for tours. Some some railing. Or the other possibility might be that it was because they were using it as a marker for some reason. But we did note this as we were walking through the cave at this time. Some of the things we talked about while we were here in this initial part of the cave was kind of the differences between what we had seen, because we had already been to Wind Cave at this point, what the difference was between Mammoth Cave and Wind Cave. And although we didn't get to Jewel Cave, even though we wanted to, I think at the time the elevator down was not working. You know, the thing about Jewel Cave is it has a flat layer of limestone. But when the Black Hills uplift occurred, it pushed up the limestone and pushed it to the side, creating what some call the limestone racetrack around the Black Hills because it had formed an oval shape, essentially. So now another thing that makes Mammoth Cave the longest cave in the world is not something we really see in the cave that often, but it's what's above us. It's the roof. There's sandstone and shale cap rock. Yeah, so as we were 
driving down the hill just past where I told you the old hotel was. Uh -huh. The hotel set up on top of the hill. We start to come down into that steep valley. That pretty much marks where the sandstone is gone. So once that sandstone gets eroded away, this limestone underneath gets eroded really quickly. That's why you've got these steep walled valleys. That's why you get all the dripping out here because there's no roof. And then you get to this point, and from here on, we're back under the sandstone again. You don't have the, the formations. Ah, so that's why that's drier over there, and this is water yeah. over here. And this is all just drop out here. Uh -huh. We were not under the roof back there. Right. Water could drip straight down. Sure. Now we get under the roof yeah. here and it can only come in at certain points. Yeah. So like right at the edge, you've got this water that's falling through this vertical shaft and drips down into the bottom. That's just sort of like the downspout of a gutter. Sure. So all the water's coming off the roof. This is the quickest yeah. place it can come down and there you go. While we were walking, Bruce told us some of the stories associated with Onyx Cave specifically. Obviously, there's a lot of stories when it comes to this area, but specifically when it comes to Onyx Cave, Onyx Cave has made the news many times for a lot of reasons. The first time it made the news was back regarding this man known as L.P. Edwards, who was the landowner at the time. Um, he had a daughter named Lucy, and she had a husband named Perry Cox, and they technically were the owners of the land where Onyx Cave was underneath. Eventually, they would go into business with somebody, and what they would do is start doing tours of Onyx Cave. There is this one area that we were walking down, and it was called Edwards Avenue, and it was named after L.P. Edwards or the Edwards family, as it were. And it lines up directly with Crystal Cave, which was also a nearby cave that another person named Bill Austin owned and operated and gave tours of. Something a lot of people don't think about is that these cave passageways were here before a lot of the surface topography took shape. Uh, you went in the historic entrance. Originally, uh, Houchins Narrows that you go through right at the very beginning before you come out in the rotunda, that would have kept going and you would have came out at Dixon Cave, which is a trail that loops you out through there. That was where the water all went at one point in time, but when the valley started to form that you walked down to go to the historic entrance, it sort of sliced its way through. So now you go in the historic entrance. If you go into Dixon Cave, which is just around the hill, go to the very back, it ends in sort of a big pile of, of rock, pile of breakdown, and it's mapped pretty much almost right underneath those stairs uh -huh. when you walk down the historic okay. entrance. So was the same passageway, you just can't get there anymore because the surface cut its way down and just collapsed it through and sliced it through. That's the same thing that happened further on back here, so okay. well, you can't walk currently from here straight into Crystal Cave. As we were walking past a section that they had talked about in the old brochures called the Nativity, we could kind of see what would have made up the characters of this nativity scene, including the three magi and the angel. And as these Catholic raised altar boys will tell you, we felt the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> There's this other thing. I think we phosphorescence was what mm. we figured out it was called. Mm -hmm. But it's this thing where the pieces of calcite will capture light mm -hmm. and then and then like it'll glow. Like you can use a camera flash and the, the calcite will catch the light and like reflect it back. Mm -hmm. or it's like it absorbs light yeah. and then it sort of just showers it back it, at you. Showers it back at mm -hmm. you. So it was possible to do that here in Onyx Cave because of the amount of calcite. There was a lot of fascinating information that we discovered while talking 
talking to Bruce, one of those things was that there were scientists that were studying the water in Mammoth Cave during the pandemic. And they found that the chemistry of the water actually changed during the shutdown because of the lack of human tourists breathing out carbon dioxide within the cave. Talk about fascinating science and fascinating scientific discoveries. It's amazing that these people who spend their lives investigating Mammoth Cave and and cave systems, that this was something that they stumbled upon in their research or that they hypothesized was happening and looked into it. Um, I don't really know what the case study is there specifically, but it's interesting to think about human impact when you think about a study like that. There's actually quite a few things inside of Onyx Cave in particular, and of course, the greater Mammoth Cave. There's so much on the wall, so much nearby that's totally affected by human breath. That was another unexpected thing that we discovered here in Onyx Cave. And with that, let's take our first break. All right, so caves are like vaults. We're playing the vault. It's true. Okay, great. Keep things cold down there. and secret. (laughs) Great. What category are you going to give us for the vault today, Mike? I'm giving you 90s sitcoms. Oh, 90s, any 90s sitcom? Any 90s sitcom. Is it like Friday evening sitcoms? It's up to you. You only can put three. I can only put three. destroyed. Okay. So think real hard. Okay, I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I can only take three with me. Mm -hmm. All right, I have my answers. Great. Okay, both of these went into the 90s, which is Golden Girls. Mm Mm-hmm. And designing women. Mm -hmm. And I would be spitting upon my ancestors' (laughs) um, work, lives, and all of the, you know, hard work they've put into our community if I didn't save those two Mm -hmm. pieces of iconic culture. Mm -hmm. So I'm saving those two, and I'm also saving Will and Grace. Okay. Which did, I believe, start in the 90s. I think it started in 99. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to take with me... The Nanny. Another iconic cultural mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take with me Wings because I watched Wings oh, with my parents. I love that. Wings. Is a, a show that, like, there's, I just remember fond memories. Also, I think it gave us Tony Shalhoub, I'm pretty sure. And then I feel like it's kind of hard to not say Seinfeld. Yeah. Like, I feel like you have to kind of, like, yeah. It sort of was the ship that launched a thousand, you know. I mean, or the, um, the show about nothing. The show that, about nothing. That became the show about everything. Mm-hmm. It's true. Note that neither of us put one in particular NBC sitcom into the vault. Friends? Well, yeah, that's what I was talking about. Oh. <laughs> I, was, I was not even going to say the title because I didn't think we're not. we needed to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was the show I watched, but I again, so. not a show that I yeah. put in the vault. I feel like the I would, the Gen Zers put, of the world are, have like latched onto friends. I don't even know enough Gen Z to even be able to like corroborate well, but that. But I or think not. they're like that's their thing is I'm not to speak ill of a generation. And I'm not, but I do feel like they've kind of like glommed onto the nineties. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As a statement piece for them. For, for this week. <laughs> when I was in second grade, I did 
A what they call it Super Saturday Seminars, which is just for second graders, you would come down every Saturday for a month to Western Kentucky, and I took the caving one, and that's sort of what got me started. We went in classroom one day, we went into a tour cave one day, and then we went into a wild cave for the last trip. That sort of started things for me, went through, did geology, did the masters, and as I was finishing up, it was about a week before I was gonna defend my thesis, and my mom was going through an old desk at the house, and she found the syllabus from that thing I did in second grade. Here for Saturday. Yeah, and Dr. Groves, my advisor in grad school, was the one who had taught it, oh and we didn't even realize it. Oh, and he said, so you know what? Funny. He said, I taught that one time. <laughs> and everything came full circle. happened to be in that class. Something that was abundant here in Onyx Cave was gypsum. So according to Merriam-Webster, gypsum is a widely distributed mineral consisting of hydrous calcium sulfate that is used especially as a soil amendment and in making plaster of Paris. Mm -hmm. It's also used for chalk. Gypsum is all over Onyx Cave. Mm -hmm. Gypsum shows up in lots of different forms. We got to see it in a lot of forms here in Onyx Cave. We also saw some of it over in the River Sticks tour. However, all the gypsum on the River Sticks tour was dark and sometimes black, but this was because of soot from fires, fires created by indigenous people dwelling in the caves, and also visitors with oil lamps. Mm -hmm the soot from the fire would create the black on the Mm -hmm. gypsum. And if you remember from our first episode in Mammoth Cave, we also talked about the fact that people smudged the ceiling to mark the expanse of the cave and directions, but also later to kind of vandalize by signing names. Pictures never do justice. No, never. uh, It's like the entire ceiling is sparkling. Yeah, right through here. And a lot of places you'll see it on the floor. The gypsum is actually pushing bits of the rock out. So yeah, it's pushing these flakes off. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Life finds a way. (laughs) The fact that they're so pristine and the ownership of the cave at that point in time wouldn't let people break formations off and take them out. In Mammoth Cave, if you offer the owners the right price, you could take formations home with you. And they'd let you break stuff off at certain points in time. Have you been to Carlsbad? No, not yet. Yeah, if you go to Carlsbad or any of those down in that vicinity, they were formed differently. They were hypogenic caves, so we're we're formed with meteoric water, so rainwater comes down and dissolves this out. Most of Carlsbad was upwellings of sulfuric acid-rich water. Okay. And so that sulfuric acid is the reason why they have so much gypsum. They've got a lot more and bigger gypsum stuff than we do in some places because you get to this point... And this was, you'd kind of walk around, benches, another phone, one of those cases where they'd call up, oh, well, you know, we're going to turn around, come out, and where's the boat? Where's the the river that we're supposed to be able to see? Oh, well, it's on the other tour, so anyway, <laughs> down that direction. We'll hit that on the way back out. Okay. But as we keep walking this way, you get to sort of a, a famous point. Gypsum is a very delicate mineral. And it can break even if human breath comes too close to it. It is actually more delicate than fingernails, and thus fingernails would break through gypsum. Bruce was telling us a story about how he had been crawling through something, and he had found his face like right near some gypsum, and he covered his mouth immediately because he knew like that his breath could break the gypsum. The shape of gypsum is determined by the space in which it is squeezed out of, because um, it comes out like uh, like toothpaste in a tube. And so depending on the size of the shape that it is in before it emerges from the rock depends on the shape it's going to take on the outside of the rock. We passed some gypsum that actually looks like coral and then also calamari. Can you say that more British though? 
like coral or calamari. Mm-hmm. Mammoth Cave has so much more graffiti, and I haven't seen a lick of it yet. <laughs> so, Lucy Cox, she was very smart. She knew that those other caves were getting all covered up with graffiti and people writing their names on yep. them. She wouldn't let people do that down here to keep the cave pristine. But the guides would get tips. You were getting extra money by letting people scratch their names on there. So wow. if somebody came in here, they didn't want to miss out on that opportunity. So what the guide would say is, you know, you guys are from New Jersey. We've never had anybody from New Jersey down here. So <laughs> if you give me an extra big tip, they would pick up a little piece of rock, write your names on here, and then they would sit it on a little shelf. So you would think you were the only one who had your name here in Great Lakes Caves. As we go by some spots further on, I'll show you. After the tour, they'd come back, they'd pick it up, and they would chuck it down the little side passages or off to the sides of the trail. There are hundreds of thousands of rocks with names written on them just tossed <laughs> oh, off to the sides down the Oh, here. that's so, genius. Wow, that's <laughs> capitalism right there. Ain't it, though? But also, but also conservation, yeah. right? They weren't, your, they weren't they running by the bees for a second. <laughs> they weren't writing on the walls. No. They were, they were still graffiti. It was all right. the loose stuff that got chucked over. So, I mean... You know, it was on the loose stuff. <laughs> and that stuff, you know, we still can't do that today, but it does help us learn a little bit about those folks where they're from. Yeah. All that historic graffiti is what we call it. On the tours, the typical ranger jokes is, you know, anything before 1941 we call historic graffiti. Anything <laughs> after is a federal offense. So. <laughs> Something we talked about a lot with Bruce is how the cave became popular and so popular that tours were a thing that started to happen more and more regularly in Onyx Cave. At the same time, it was happening over in Mammoth Cave as well, because Mammoth Cave and Onyx Cave were two different caves nearby one another, and tours were happening for both of them. And this is before the National Park Service ever got involved. This is when they were just caves on private land, property lines and things like that started to get involved when it became clear that these caves were sort of heading into many, many directions underneath the ground. 1915, they opened the cave. They started developing, getting the tours going. Over time, they got to be pretty popular. They were making a good deal of money. They obviously built the hotel. They had all these people coming in and out. So the neighbors started to get a little curious, and some of them... Well, there are some stories that they saved up money and came in on a tour. Some say that the owners were being neighborly, invited them to come down. And regardless, one of them, a man named Pate Lee, came back here and he started walking, walking and walking and walking. It's like, man, we've been walking a long time down here. I don't think we're still under your property anymore. And so I think you're giving tours under some of my land. Why don't you give me a few hundred dollars and we'll call it good. And I don't remember exactly what the number was. There's different... I've seen different numbers written in different places, but uh, they said, no, we're not going to do that. You don't have the entrance. It, it doesn't count. So that eventually went to court and it went on and finally made its way all the way to the Supreme Court of Kentucky, where they came down and ruled in the case of Lee versus Edwards. So Pately, L.P. Edwards, I think it was 1929 that they officially filed the lawsuit. I don't think it got sorted out until 1930, 31, somewhere in that realm. Uh, both of them passed away before the official verdict was handed down. So it was Pately's children who ended up getting about $30,000 awarded to them wow. mm. in 1930 you know, or 1931. So, you know, you're talking Depression era coming on. They were, yeah, that that's really, major dollars. Really good situation. Major. And... 
At that point, the Edwards family, which Mr. Edwards had passed on, that was Lucy Cox, the Cox family came down here and they put a chicken wire fence across this area and you couldn't even go beyond it on the tours because this was the property line. This was the property line. You couldn't continue. And right now there's a line of stones. Yeah. Which, technically, whoever put the stones out here, there's a mark on the yeah, these, that, that is technically oh, okay. I see it yeah, with the arrows side. and the, wow. So while we were walking here further and further into the cave, we did see some signatures on the wall. There was an ET for Edmund Turner, and we also saw some old articles. They were just on the ground, right? Yeah, yeah. they were newspaper and yeah. they were on the ground. I was asking like, oh, were they like, what were they used for? Were they used for to build a fire, but they were still intact, so they wouldn't have been used to build a fire. Yeah. They were just sort of, I think somebody had left Like them remnants, there. yeah. Yeah. As we um, walked through, we heard a little bit more about one of the stories of Onyx Cave. There was a man known as Edmund Turner. That was um, one of the initials that we saw on the wall, E.T. We did ask about if it meant like the steven spielberg film but it doesn't it was stood for edmund turner there was quite a lot of drama when it came to onyx cave edmund turner and the edwards family because lp edwards was the land owner edmund turner is the one who had been crawling around underground and found onyx cave i say with quotation marks because no white person ever discovered anything really but edmund turner was the one who was like let's give tours so they went into this like partial ownership situation of this cave and obviously this is a story about a perfect business deal where like everybody got paid fairly and everything was wonderful and nothing went wrong at all and that's when the narrator comes in and is like, but everything went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Edmund Turner and Edwards got the tours up and running. Eventually they had a big falling out. And Edmund Turner said, well, all right, I'm going to leave. I'll take my cut of the profits and just leave it to you. And that's when Edwards said, well, what are you talking about? We didn't have any agreement. They didn't have anything in writing. We just done with the handshake. So he didn't give Edmund Turner any money. Now, there is some speculation why they had the falling out. Some people think it might have had something to do with the relationship between Turner and Kova, the oldest daughter. Mm. Uh, we do know that Edmund Turner, shortly after he got out of the cave business in here, passed away, was buried in the Mammoth Cave Baptist Church Cemetery out here on Clint Ridge. When he was buried there, Kova actually preceded him in death. And after he was buried in that cemetery, Edwards had his daughter dug up from that cemetery and put somewhere else. Oh. So there was some really bad blood there. Yeah. Evidently. Says for certain, but we believe that... Some real drama. That could have been the source of the drama and why he... Yeah, they eventually parted ways. So he said there are parts of Great Onyx Cave that no one will ever see again. And today... We have not connected Great Onyx Cave with oh, Mammoth Cave. That is a giant spider. Holy yeah, what cow. kind of spider is oh, that? Oh yeah, it's one of the. It's a meta. We call them a meta spider. I forget the full name of them, but that's about the only type of spiders you see deeper in the cave here. Okay. Uh, but they don't get crazy deep, so that lets us know we're getting closer to the surface again. Somewhere. Oh, I see. And not too far back here are some of the places they speculated where, on that Davis property, they might have been digging and thinking they were going to be able to get an entrance from back here. Oh, so they've never connected Great Onyx Cave to Mammoth Cave. No, to date it's not connected. I'll show you some parts further on where we have 
is that I'll like point out where we have tried, but is that like actual and scientific, or is that perhaps partially politics? Oh no, it's uh, yeah, actual and scientific through here now because ah. it's all within the Park Service now. Oh, okay, um, so this is part of the Park Service. Yeah, yeah, it's but all part of it's, yeah, it's just not officially connected. Right, because to officially connect, you have to have a person physically go through the passageway. So oh, so that's are. the that's the definition. That's yeah. the threshold. Oh, okay. A person has to go through and map it. Now we have hydrologically connected it. We put dyes into the water in spots in Great Onyx Cave here, and we picked them up coming out in the springs that we know are fed by some of our other rivers in Maine Cave. So we know they connect and join up in these rivers, but physically nobody has gone through from survey stations in Great Onyx. Ooh, that's a big spider there. <laughs> 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 I tied them in with survey Stop stations. Right <laughs> that's a cricket. It's a cricket. Sorry. Okay. Cave cricket. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't. I'm sorry. Oh my God! There's a lot of them. Okay. All right. Oh, I'm sorry. So one thing to notice on those guys, if you if you see one, six long legs, two really long antenna. Yeah. They don't actually bite. Yeah. We'll get into. Okay, a, that's fine. We'll get into a spot where we can stand up. And wait. I'm sorry. Just a second. Oh yeah. Cave cricket. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of them here. Sorry. This is. There's a lot here. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. And with that, let's take our next break. Please welcome to the stage. Catherine Astrophic, or for short, Cat Astrophic. Cat Astrophic. Now, this could be Cat Astrophic or Cat Ostrophic. Mm-hmm. She could be Ostrophic. Mm-hmm. She could be of the Ostrophics mm-hmm. of Upper Derby. Mm-hmm. Catherine Ostrophic. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of queen is Catherine Ostrophic? I feel like she, even though we're talking about caves, I feel like she is an astronomy queen for some reason. Mm. Perhaps it is the astrophic in her last name. And Maybe. like, there's just something that makes me feel like she's got an astrolabe in her hand. <laughs> ah. and she's navigating by the stars. She lives in that realm of Elizabethan queen. And she's got like a collar that's very frilly and high. She's doing her best iambic pentameter. Pantameter. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going like full Elizabethan Shakespeare, mm-hmm. Elizabeth the first mm-hmm. kind of Catherine with her, Ostrophic. With her, you know, clown white. <laughs> with her clown white, mm-hmm. right. That she used, but or that it's poisoned leaded. her mm-hmm. full of lead, right. Mm-hmm. It's actually gypsum. Uh, right, <laughs> yeah. that's it. I do feel like she could have a, dra- a gown inspired by gypsum mm-hmm. shapes or like a headpiece inspired by gypsum mm-hmm. shapes. But yes, I do like her astronomical lean here mm-hmm. that we're going for. I do feel like she also does songs about like explosions and catastrophes. You oh, know what okay. I mean? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's also part of mm-hmm. part of Champagne her. Supernova is what she's <laughs> That says she lip syncs to. Um, I like you that. know. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then I think her merch could be like exploding quill pens. Oh, okay. Or something like mm-hmm. that. Right. Like let's bring all of it together. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or it's just like you, she has those little stars you can put up on your ceiling, mm-hmm. but they're just her face on them. Mm. So she's or her um, eyes. Yeah. That, like glowing out. Sure. Of them. So she is a, a megalomaniac queen. <laughs> right. She's obsessive. 
with herself. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. Right. I mean, that would track with the whole Elizabeth the first thing. Sure. Right? Yeah. Especially at least in dress. Right. But I do feel like too, with the name catastrophic, there has to be like, I do feel like there's a lot of pitfalls that happen in her act. Like I feel like, cause it's catastrophe. So things have to kind of go awry. I feel like she's it's physical comedy fully like dressed in very proper, like Elizabethan like gowns garb and garb but then everything goes like totally off the wall bonkers bananas yes. um and like it's the show that goes wrong essentially it's slapstick mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I like it ladies and gentlemen please welcome to the stage catastrophic Okay, so let's talk about the spiders and the crickets here for a second because obviously I had a moment mm-hmm. okay so again they're very big yeah. And then they we started to see them again. Yes. We were walking through the section where there was sort of like the actual walkway was only about three feet wide. Mm-hmm. And then there were like these walls that were like half walls, like maybe knee high, a little shorter. Yeah. Maybe like hip high or something. At some points. Yeah. And um the crickets and the spiders were on top of those. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was kind of wide, like Sometimes they were very close. Sometimes they weren't. Yeah. But they were definitely there, at least in this one specific area. This is when Bruce told us about how they like to live near the surface, which is why when you see them, you know you're nearer to the surface. Right. Well, they have to be able to get out to get nutrients somehow. This spot was essentially the spot where other researchers had said you could probably make another entrance here. This is also an area where we see that there are some looks to be scientific experiments that are happening. There were all different sorts of instruments um, to the side that were taking some sort of measurements. We were trying to figure it out too. We were like, I wonder what this is. But there were like crickets all over um, here too. So I think they were obviously doing something that was either attracting the crickets or was in service of finding out more about the crickets in the cave. Speaking of crickets, we did see two crickets engaging in intercourse. And, you know, uh, crickets need pleasure too. Mm -hmm. That's right. So they could have, you know been making a family needing some pleasure or both mm-hmm. who's Who to say who's to say so it seems like there's more um so this cave is i guess closer to the surface in a lot of ways because there's more diversity of like insects down here as opposed to in mammoth cave we really weren't seeing i know right. there's like yeah we typically only find stuff around the entrances uh-huh. And here's a place where you notice it's getting a little lower back there. You start to get more water dripping yeah. in. You're, you're getting close to the surface again in some form. So the crickets don't spend their entire life inside the cave. Yeah. They have to go out. To, they're sort of the keystone species in here. They venture outside and they eat stuff when they come in here and they poop. And then the cave beetles will eat that. Okay. There's sort of the ones. So there's a cave beetle right here. Oh, yeah. It's Usually, tiny. It yeah. just walks in there. Looks like a little red ant. Basically. Yeah, I saw a bunch of ants there, right? What I thought were ants. Yeah, the baby cave Tiny cricket. little But you cave, see how on that cave, cave cricket, cricket, yeah, how long his antenna are. Yeah. That helps them airflow. There's a cave beetle. Cave beetles uh. hang out in these sandy spots, okay. all those little holes. The cave cricket, that's a female. It's got the stinger looking thing on the back. It's the ovipositor. And they'll dig down those little holes, deposit their eggs. Cave beetles come through and will eat the eggs out of the holes so the 
cave cricket will dig a bunch of holes but only lay eggs in a few of them got it to try and trick the cave beetles from here we start to make our way back so we had sort of gone very deep into the cave really because we were with bruce at this point who was on a research project we were allowed to kind of travel this far but typically when tours were given this was not a space you know you wouldn't have gone this far we were at a point where it was it felt like a very long time underground um so it was time for us to turn back so um, on the walk back, we did chat a lot about sort of what cave science looks like on a day-to-day when they're on a cave day, what that means, um, how long it is. It often means a long time. It could be hours and hours and hours inside of a day, like 15 hours inside of one day doing one section of a cave. Or it might be a couple of days. There's like a lot of ways to shake that out, depending on how one might need to get into to a cave. He did tell us a little bit about how there's this one cave that right at the entrance, it's like like you have to rappel down like 700 feet or something just to get in. This is an onyx cave, no. but this is another cave that he's, he's done before. So there's a lot of different needs that caves require when it comes to actually getting inside of them to do any kind of research. We crawled for three miles one day. We had 15 hours where we couldn't stand up. Oh my god. We, we could, wow. Yeah, we went into Crystal Cave, the one that's just around the ridge that they often own. We got down there, there's a place called Scotchman's Trap. It comes to a T. You can go right or you can go left. Mm-hmm. The right is miles and miles of cave, eventually connected to the Mammoth Cave system. The left is one never-ending dry sandy crawlway. And we crawled. It took us seven hours going out there where we couldn't stand up. And we got out to the end of that crawl. It was the last time we'd have been out there since 1956. Another group went in from Sides Cave. And on the maps, it's only like 40, 45 feet separated. And uh, anyway, we crawled for a long It ended up being uh, that day. We could hear the folks from Sides Cave beating on the walls. And they could hear us hitting the walls. And they could hear us talking. But we couldn't find the way to connect. So huh. they took the one or two hour trip back out to their entrance and it took us eight hours to sell back. Oh, wow. So we spent 15 hours straight between times we could stand up on that trip. On our way back, we were able to turn and go through an offshoot section that we had not done on the way out. Um, We had noted it when we were kind of coming out in the cave. And it was just sort of like a little Y in the cave, in like the trail, quote unquote, I'll say, that we just kind of like turned down to explore a little bit. In this offshoot path, we got some very cool views of some bedding planes in the ceiling. How I was talking about the uh, the bedding planes. Oh, wow. Horizontally oriented passages. Oh, very cool. Yeah, so this is called anastomosis. Apparently that crosses over with the medical field as well, because that's one that, when I talk to Amy, my wife about it, it's like anastomosis and I guess capillaries and stuff, this kind of thing. But this is uh, basically where the cave started in this layer. It's like a braided stream up in Alaska or some of those, where you uh-huh. see you've got all those gravel bars. Or like a fell field with a glacier. Oh yeah, so yeah, you, yeah you start to get, th- this was the weak spot water yeah. was flowing through here and it's you know that amount of water was spread throughout the whole thing here there's no great view of it until you get a little further up but basically as you walked out today from the tower you got to the top of the tower yeah mm-hmm. and then you're walking through little bad avenue and you saw all these little what we call solutional pockets like mini caves back in the, yes. the sides there yeah that's just an example of where it started off like this and that whole bedding plane if you could move it apart would look this way but when one starts to get a little bigger it can take more water the more water it can take the more it can dissolve and just sort of that positive 
positive feedback mechanism. That's the one that eventually dominates and kind of takes over, but they would all somewhat start off looking something like this. In this area near the bedding plains, there was an area where there used to be a boat, where they used to give underground tours on a boat. Something that Bruce was talking a lot about when it came to these tours that they would give here in Onyx Cave is that they'd say they'd give out these brochures that had all these pictures on them. Like you can do all of these things in these pictures, but in order to make more money, because this is capitalism, we are capitalizing literally this cave space. That's what they were doing. It would be like, oh, well, yeah, we went this far. That's how much is on the tour. But if you wanted to do this, it's more. Yeah. And, um, oh, I guess we'll go, we'll do tour part B and tour part C. So like Mm -hmm. getting in the boat and going on the, boat tour inside of the cave was like part C. Yeah. Mammoth Cave in its tour had a boat and so Onyx Cave wanted to have a boat so this was the boat. Competition. Exactly. Because Mm -hmm. that is what capitalism does. It takes natural spaces and monetizes it and Mm -hmm. turns it into competition. Mm -hmm. So after this section we returned back up the little offshoot that we went through. I remember seeing lots of stalactites were so thick in that area of that like um, break off section. Mm -hmm. We made our way back to the entrance, which did require us to have to walk underneath the bevy of cave crickets and cave spiders again. Mentally prepared this time. And none of them fell again. Mm -hmm. And um, we made our way back outside. Except for that one that's still on you to this day. That's right. He's (laughs) that I haven't told you about. He's Mm -hmm. sitting across from Mm -hmm. you right now. Yep. Studying caves is sort of like asking people to go in, sit down, and watch about 10 seconds of a movie, and then write you a whole paper on what that movie is. Because <laughs> in yeah. our lifetime, you're never going to see more right. than just a, a snapshot. You know, even during the best of conditions, most of your stalactites and stalagmites are going to grow maybe a cubic inch every 100 to 300 years. So yeah. about the size of an ice cube in that time frame. Let's put the walkthrough Onyx Cave on the Karen Stone scale. Mm. I'm going to give this a three only because of bugs. I would feel it's a two. There is, you know, there would be some potential accessibility issues at the beginning, but for the most part, once you're down in the cave, it's not that hard to maneuver. There is very little incline decline happening a little bit here and there, but my hazard wasn't bugs on this tour. So a A five five. out of 20 Mm -hmm. Karen Stones. And now let's um, end this episode with some Jeopardy style trivia. All right, Mike, are you ready for some Jeopardy style trivia? Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Who would like to begin? You can go first. Okay, great. Since we did see some cave crickets and cave spiders here in Onyx Cave, this category of Jeopardy is called giant creatures in film. Okay. (laughs) Okay, great. We may have... um... So we'll see. Come very close to one another here. We might have out of um, how many years? This is your... It's been 84 years. (laughs) 84 years. Mm -hmm. Now, um, everybody listen closely because Mike is about to drop the heart of the ocean Mm -hmm. back into the seas. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. Mm -hmm. So in this category, what you're going to do is I'm going to give you the description of a film. Mm -hmm. You have to name the film and the giant creature featured in the film. Okay. Great. Okay, great. For one there's overlap. For one hundred, this iconic Spielberg film gave us the line, We're gonna need a bigger boat. What is the shark and jaws? That is correct. Yeah. 
for 200. John Voight and Jennifer Lopez led this 1997 film where a documentary film crew is held hostage in the Amazon jungle by this creature that also serves as the namesake for the film. What is an anaconda and anaconda? That's correct. And Owen Wilson was in that film as well. That's right. Mm-hmm. And when you said Jennifer Lopez, I thought Jennifer Love Hewitt. And I was like, what Jennifer Love Hewitt film is, is she in with John Voight? <laughs> <laughs> when have her they crossed her new paths? level, yeah. right? For for 300, this 90s film starred Rick Moranis as a scientist who accidentally makes miniatures out of his children and features this giant insect. Well, it's what is Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and there is a giant ant and a giant scorpion. Correct. So. For 400, in this 2018 Jason Statham film, a group of scientists exploring Marianas Trench encountered this, the largest marine predator that once ruled the seas for 10 million years. What is the Meg? That's and is right. it a megalodon? That is correct. Yeah. And finally, for 500. The Meg 2, out this summer. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. In this 1990 Kevin Bacon film, residents of the town Perfection, Nevada, try to survive attacks from these after people begin dying mysteriously underground. What are um, giant worms? And um, the film is Tremors. That is correct. Great. Well... We have crossed paths, my friend. Have we officially? We have. Six seasons. It only took us that long. Only one clue was a crossover. But I still think that's a that's a hit. That's so a hit. You yeah. sunk my battleship. There All we right. go. My Jeopardy is called Creepy Crawlers. If Great. you are a 90s kid, you understand what that reference is. That's the... Um, that's the um, it was like the Easy Bake Oven for like you could make things. You got like metal molds that you could pour like stuff into and then bake them. And they were like gel right. creatures that right. then you had forever. I remember that. Yeah. Creepy crawlers. All right. Yeah. So this is all about crawlery creatures from films and movies and te- television shows. So for 100. In this film, starring Kevin Bacon and Reba McIntyre, a small town is overrun by gigantic death-dealing worms who can sense the location of their victims through surface sounds. What is Tremors? Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Great. I, isn't it great that she's in that movie? It is. Reba McIntyre, excellent actor. Mm-hmm. For 200. This lanky humanoid creature with a head that opens like a flower and is full of teeth is the main villain in the town of Hawkins in the first season of Stranger Things. So oh, you want me to name the creature? Yeah. Oh, what is... Um, I could have named this um, probably five minutes ago, but um, I don't remember right now. Oh. And I know it's in the Upside Down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a drag queen's name that we've added to the list. Um, and I, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I can only think Lovato of Lovato like, and Moore would be the last name of these people. Oh, a Demi Gorgon. There you go. There we go. Mm-hmm. Demi Gorgon. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the clue. You're welcome. For 300, in this fantasy YA book series about a boy wizard, this mythological creature was responsible for the death of Moaning Myrtle and prompted the sealing of the Chamber of Secrets by the heir of Slytherin in the past. Oh, what is a turf? <laughs> I'll give it to you. Okay, uh, great. What is a basilisk? Okay, mm-hmm. great. Yes. I wouldn't have gotten there. Mm-hmm. For 400, 
The ancient beast Shelob, who Golem tried to use to do his dirty work in obtaining the One Ring back from Frodo, was one of these. What is centaur? Mm-mm. I don't know. What is a spider? Oh, okay. And for 500, in the Aliens movie franchise, this scorpion-like creature, the second phase of an alien's life cycle, covers the eyes, mouth, and nose of a victim with the sole purpose of implanting an alien embryo within the human being. Its name sounds exactly like what it does to this part of the victim's body. What is the suck out the life of? (laughs) So... What, what is what part predator? of a body is the the Stomach. nose, the mouth, and the eyes? Oh, the face. Okay. So what is it doing if it's covering that and completely? Masking. It's hugging the face. So it's a, a face, face hugger. hugger. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. It's covering it completely. Mm-hmm. Means it's hugging it. Yeah. Your Honor, she's reaching. <laughs> Your Honor, she's reaching. Okay, well, that's what she's but doing. So she didn't know this. She didn't know that no. at all. Mm-mm. So I appreciate the clues. You're welcome. Um, well done. Mm-hmm. Face hugger. It's called a face hugger. Mm-hmm. Yep. I guess I need to see Alien. Yeah. I mean, why? When you have one sitting across from you. Oh well, there we go. Mm-hmm. The self-deprecation continues. Mm-hmm. This has been Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast, and we're here to remind you to hike early and hike often, and that adventure is always out there. Gaze at the National Parks was created and is hosted by us, Dustin Ballard and Michael Ryan. To see images from this episode, follow our Instagram at Gaze at the National Parks. To contact us, email us at Gaze at the National Parks at gmail.com. And to find out more about the parks visited on this show, visit our website, Gaze at the National Parks.com. That's Gaze, G A Z. All original artwork featured on Instagram, on our website, and in the gay shop is by me, Michael Ryan. All original music was written and performed by Dave Seaman and Mariella Klinger, with Sean Sklios on guitar. Our music producer is Skylar Fortgang. This episode was edited by me. Dustin Ballard. We would also like to acknowledge that while recording this episode that we are on the traditional and stolen lands of the Lenape people, also known as Middlesex County, New Jersey. 